You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Dear listeners, welcome back to the Breakfast Show. You are listening to Voice of Islam Radio, the Voice of Islam Radio is presenting the true teachings of Islam, broadcasting live here from the Battle of Two Mosques, the largest mosque in Western Europe. My name is Shah Munir Ahmed, and I'm here joined with my brother, Asim Hashmi. Asim, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Peace and blessings of Allah be with you. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you too. Sahil, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you. How are you? I'm alhamdulillah all good. Perfect. Great. Nice. Dear listeners, as you know, um, we are still going through a very sad time remembering uh, the passing away of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. And uh, Asim, yesterday, um, he, uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community held in the mosque uh, an event for her remembrance. And uh, people have mentioned and remembered her legacy and uh, the service she has done. And it was amazing to listen and uh, to hear all these comments and the, uh, people have made about her. And it is, you know, some... Sometimes people were offering their sadness that she has passed away and she has gone. Of course, because after 70 years of leadership, mm-hmm. um, she has now passed away. But then people also offered their happiness that this country is still secure, that we have a new leader, the king, God save the king. Absolutely, yeah. And... Uh, Everyone has mentioned one thing, and this is also mentioned by His Holiness, the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the current leader of this community, that she has ruled with justice and with equality. And people have mentioned that as well, that she would look after everyone and uh, she would look after like a motherly figure. Hmm. And uh, what I've realized is, as we both, we, we, we are not born here in the UK. Absolutely. Yeah. We... But we have heard about that monarchy. This is the mm. first monarchy we have heard about. Mm. Of course, there are other monarchies as well. But this is the first monarchy everyone has heard about. And especially for me, I don't know about you, but when I've always have heard the name England, Wales, Scotland, Great Britain, I don't know, Beatles, Beckham, anything. The first thing which would come <laughs> into my mind was Her Majesty. And uh, you, you could see that how much respect she had put in the heart of other people living abroad, especially because she became the leader, the uh, the queen, straight after, not straight after, but three years after the Second World War. And that time, uh, you everyone know, the situation was very uh, strange, was very awkward, was very strict, because especially, you know, people, uh, especially the German and the English, they had no good relationship. But as I said, she still managed to put her respect into the heart of other people. And as I said, when we would think about Great Britain, we would think about her. And she is someone who would also, you know, um, lead a country with uh, greatness. And I think this is the one legacy she has left behind. Absolutely, Sal. And also, you know, ruling for 70 years. I don't think I've seen anyone rule anything for 70 years, you know. If, like a single person, even like a president or anyone. Mm, no one. No so one. even to rule the the country with justice for seventy years is not easy. It is definitely not easy. You I mean, will face trials, hardship, oh, wow. but um, 
She's she's done a great job, yeah. You know, people are sometimes scared to lead a small group of people, but mm-hmm. she has led the whole country for 70 years. And not even that country, she was the queen of other countries as well, for Canada as well, for Australia as well. And then, of course, the head of the Commonwealth as well. So she had a lot of duties to do, and she did it till the last breath. Uh, and only a few days before she passed away, she met the new prime minister as well. Mm-hmm. She announced the new prime minister as yeah. well. So she was from the last breath on. She was still on duty and she was carrying out her task, which is very magnificent. And because she was old, ninety-six years is a huge number, and it's very difficult to work in that age. But still, you could see her walking around with a smile, sometimes also with a serious face. But amazing what she has done. Absolutely, absolutely. And we pray that her son also follows her footsteps. Yeah, I mean, um, she is she has raised him, so um, hopefully, I mean, of course we pray for him, and I'm sure that he would lead with example as well. Um, of course, people have offered their condolence to the royal family as well, which we do as well. Um, her, yesterday was also a special day as her coffin came into Birmingham Palace, and people are now there to pay their last respect to the yeah, so the Queen's lying in state and and basically people have to queue up uh-huh. uh, huge queues are forming along the banks of the River Thames as people wait to pay their respects to the Queen her lying in state will continue 24 hours a day until uh, 6.30 in the morning on Monday 19th September and the day of the funeral basically um, so the government has published a live uh, queue tracker. Uh, right now, if you go to the live queue tracker, you can see that currently the queue is up about two miles oh. long. Uh, and at the back of the queue is uh, closing to um, Blackface Bridge. So there must be a lot of people over that yeah. for the yeah. set to pay their last respect to Her Majesty. Right? You can right, you can see that how much love, how much she was loved by other people as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, um, head of states from different states, they will also coming to uh, um, pay their respect to Her Majesty as well. Um, it is, I mean, it's very strange that um, the whole world is somehow not changed, but is looking towards Great Britain. What will happen now? Everyone knows that she has passed away. And I said, you know, this is a monarchy. Everyone remembers, everyone mm-hmm. knows about that monarchy. And everyone is looking towards Great Britain towards Buckingham Palace. What will happen now? How will everything go? F- and how will the new leader, uh, His Majesty King Charles III, represent his nation now? I mean, this is so many questions, and it is a big burden for him as well. It's a pressure, yeah. It's a pressure, of course. But as I said, she has raised him. This is one good thing, and mm. he has learned a lot from her. Um, he was already prepared for that that one day you will lead that nation and from that moment on he was prepared for the task so i believe he would do great as well uh, may allah give him a long life strengthen his health as well i mean i mean uh, dear listeners mostly it is sad regard in regards of um, muslim that we do not respect our countries in which we live in or we do not follow their laws and we do not respect their leaders but it's totally wrong I mean the Holy Prophet peace be upon him dear listeners is uh, something very new maybe for you but the Prophet 
Holy Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him when he passed away a few days few moments ago he, he advised every Muslim that to pay respect to a world uh, to a leader of a state to see uh, to greet him with dignity as well and uh, therefore Muslims will always do that they will follow that advice of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and will show always respect towards any leader of any country and this is what we do as well that's why we have that remembrance day yesterday and um, as you know um, yesterday uh, in Feltham mm -hmm. I was there and in the mosque we held that event and people you know we had councillors we had uh, even mayors too and they came and they all of them mentioned one thing that um, they had the opportunity to meet Her Majesty and they said the, the way she has treated everyone was like someone is like she was it wasn't like she uh, showed off that I'm the queen no. yeah absolutely yeah. everyone with, mm. with, with uh, equal and they said that the way she smiled was really different as well like a very nice smile of like she said that like the smile of a mother mm. so this is the way she actually looked towards us and this is how she cared for her people as well it is very amazing I mean this is a, uh, she is a truly a very amazing person she left behind a uh, legacy um, she has seen how many uh, 15 I believe prime ministers uh, and uh, you know the funny thing is that um, someone was telling me you know she became the queen even before our parents were born <laughs> so she was the queen of our parents as well and yeah. this is very amazing and um of course, uh, she will be missed. After Queen Victoria, now we will remember her as well, Queen Elizabeth II. And uh, again, it's a sad loss. It's a big loss for this nation. But we have, as I said, we are happy as well that we have a new leader, uh, King Charles III and Mayla. Give him a long life and healthy life as well. Asim, um, coming now towards other things. What happened during the last week here in the world? Well, there's a lot of happening. Um, Ukraine war, let's go back to that. Olaf Scholz, as we know, is the head of Germany, uh, says Vladimir Putin does not see war as mistake. Russian President Vladimir Putin does not realize the invasion of Ukraine is a mistake. German Chancellor Ol Olaf uh, Scholz has said after the leader spoke on the phone on Tuesday. Speaking to reporters on Wednesday, Mr. Sch Scholz uh, said he urged Mr. Putin to withdraw troops and re-enter talks with Ukraine during the 90-minute call. Uh, he, he called for Russia to respect the sovereignty of Ukraine and the Chancellor has come under pressure to increase military support for Kyiv. Mr. Scholz said the withdrawals of uh, Russian troops from Ukraine would be the only way for peace to have a chance in the region. Although he said Mr. Putin unfortunately had not changed his position on the invasion, Mr. Scholz emphasized the importance of continuing to talk to him. It is right to speak with each other and to say what there is to say on this subject, Mr. Scholz said. He also claimed the weapons Germany had supplied to Ukraine had been decisive and made a difference in eastern Ukraine. Um, not a single rational argument on why these weapons cannot be supplied 
only abstracts fear and excuses. What, what is Berlin afraid of that Kiev is not, he added. So basically, we can see that um, by August, Germany had donated more than $1.2 billion in military aid to Kiev. It's, it's a significant sum, but far lower than the UK and US, and even less than Poland, which has a smaller economy. So Poland has donated more, uh, I believe it was around 1.4 billion. Um, we can see that USA has donated uh, around 20 billion dollars in military aid and other stuff. On Wednesday, Germany's defense minister, uh, Christine Nambrecht, pledged additional weapons to Ukraine. In addition to the generators, uh, winter clothes and tents already promised last week as the colder months approach. Uh, speaking to Reuters, Mr. Lambert described Ukraine's ongoing counteroffensive as a remarkable success, although stressed it was too early to anticipate how Russia would respond. This proves that the Ukrainian forces are very well positioned tactically and that they are capable of repelling attacks that not many had thought them capable of, of she said. So as we can see, Germany uh, are told to uh, supply more, which they have promised. And uh, there is a lot of money actually going to this uh, country. Uh, 20 billion from USA. And UK has donated a lot, a few billions. Poland, 1.4 billion. Germany, 1.2 billion. So this is a very expensive war, I must say. It is, uh, um, and recently, I was just today I was reading as well that if we talk about Russia now, um, the head of China, the president of China, Xi Jinping, mm-hmm. he uh, it's the first time he has left China um, um, during the COVID or since COVID has started. Yeah, and he has met um, Putin, and uh, they talked about how to strengthen um, the the relationship but also that to um, solve conflicts not with war but with dialogue to communicate and um, the president of Turkey he will also go there and people are still trying to bring this nonsense war to an end Mm -hmm. and the tragic of war is of course that innocent people always die of course yeah and this is, um, you know, this, what well, I never understood is that we have seen so many wars in the history. The history is full of wars. And somehow humanity has never learned from that. And we're still living in 2022 and we're still going for war instead of going the easier way or the simple way of talking, of dialogue. And but of course, um, you know, um, to change or to bring this or everything to an end, also the world leaders have to change as well. Um, they have to ready to change their character, mm-hmm. ready to accept few things only for the favor of this world. So there's a lot of things you know going on. Um, but in regards, of, I mean, regardless of what's happening, we just hope that it comes to an end, that it comes to peace as well. Because we don't want any, and we don't want to see anyone suffering for anyone else. Absolutely. Reason. Yeah. 
Also, another news is that um, billionaire boss of fashion retailer gives company away. Uh, the company's name is um, Patagonia, if I'm pronouncing it correct. Um, so the billionaire founder of the auto fashion retailer Patagonia says he has given away his company to a charitable trust. Yvonne uh, uh, Choi Nard said that under new ownership structure, any profit not invested in running the business would go to fighting climate change. This will amount to around um, $100 million um, dollars a year, he claimed, depending on the health of the company. Patagonia sells hiking and out other outdoor clothing in over 10 countries. It was founded in 1973 and its estimated revenue was $1.5 billion this year, while Mr. Choynard's net worth is thought to be $1.2 billion. And despite its immensity, the Earth's resources are not infinite, and it's clear we've ex exceeded its limit. The entrepreneur said of his decision to give up ownership. Instead of extracting value from nature and transforming it into wealth, we are using the wealth Patagonia creates to protect the source. So this is a good uh, thing um, this gentleman is doing to help the, um, you know, the countries. Um, by giving it away and giving uh, donations to charitable trusts. You used the right uh, phrase by saying gentleman. Indeed, he is doing a great job. He's helping people as well. Asim, what about sports? That is one of your favorite topics you want to <laughs> talk about. It is, absolutely. So we had a Champions League last night and we had some interesting results. Uh, Napoli uh, won against Rangers 3-0. Uh, uh, so before we come to uh, Champions League, uh, just talk about uh, Premier League. Who's going to win the Premier League? Do you have any... <laughs> you got any someone in your mind? I mean, well, uh, Man City is doing great. Uh, Liverpool is doing all right, but uh, I do think they can do better. But uh, you can see the money effect. Um, you could see the curse seven years of Klopp, maybe because yeah, well, well, I mean he trained. I don't believe in those things. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe them either. But somehow it happens. Sometimes football, sometimes strange things happen in football. You know, and this is yeah. one of the strange things as well. No, no, it's it's a hardship comes. Uh, no, nobody said life will be easy. You know, um, Liverpool would go through up and downs, but I think they they have a great team. They did sign some good players. They just need to perform, you know. And Arsenal is performing very well. Arsenal is performing. surprisingly performing so well. They, I think, they lost the first match or drew the first. They lost, lost the first, yeah. one match yet yeah. against Man United. Gabriel Jesus was a amazing signing. Gabriel Jesus. I did not expect that. I was like, you know, he's he's not been playing regularly under um, Guardiola. He's always been behind Aguero mm. and all that. True. But True. Uh, now he's given the lead and he's performing very good. Well, if you talk about performing, we have to talk about Arsenal doing good performing and uh, Man United is performing well as well now. If you talk about bad performing, there's one name <laughs> we mention very often is Chelsea. <laughs> um, they have also, I mean, they have they took the highest mill to kick out their coach. And in, I don't know who's the new coach. I don't know, but uh, the um, numbers Graham are still Potters, the same. Yeah, 
I was seen yesterday during Champions League match, and I was thinking, is this Abramovich sitting there because he just looked like <laughs> like him? But anyhow, Chelsea is not doing good this season. Uh, they need to improve as well. What are you saying? Absolutely, absolutely. That's that's all I got to say. <laughs> that's all we say. But what about the Champions League? Now coming back to the Champions yeah, League. Yeah, Champions League. We had some amazing matches. AC Milan won three one against Dynamo Zagreb. Um, Chelsea drew. Uh, we were talking about performance versus uh, RB Salzburg. Um, Real Madrid won two nil. Man City versus Dortmund. We had Haaland playing against his former team. So Dortmund was actually uh, winning after the halftime when Bellingham scored in 56 minutes. But of course, this Man City, they had to come back. They don't just of sit there. Uh, Stone scored in 18 minutes and an amazing, uh, what do you say, uh, high kick or yeah, in 84 say, minutes. Uh, karate kick. Karate kick, yeah. Karate uh, kick. kick. Remind me some of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yeah, yeah. A absolutely. bit of him, a bit of Messi, and a bit of Ronaldo. Everything, yeah. Uh, Juventus lost against Benfica 2-1. We had PSG versus Maccabi Haifa. Uh, Maccabi Haifa actually scored first in the 24th minute, but um, it's PSG. They have been performing well. And the top uh, forward, three forwards scored. Messi, Mbappe, Neymar, uh, which is great to hear. Also, we had um, some championship matches, Luton, Coventry 2-2, Millwall, QPR. We, we can't leave these matches out. No, of course. We, uh, we can't uh, just talk about Champions League. You know, we have to pay tribute to all these other no, leagues. I, just, I want you to pay tribute to Eintracht Frankfurt as well. A team was contributing first time in the Champions League, won the Europe League, mm-hmm. one of my favourites. They won the first match as well. I just wanted you to mention this in already as well. Okay. Now so you can talk you've, about you've mentioned it now. Yeah, you can talk we had it. actually matches on the day before as well where Liverpool won versus Ajax. So uh, you must be happy. Uh, Atletico Madrid lost 2-0 uh, versus Bayern Leverkusen. Is this the same Atletico Madrid we saw a few years back? I think they're just buying like uh, retired players who nobody wants and <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what they've been always doing anyways uh, getting selling players for like a lot of money and then getting them back on a bargain like Diogo Costa Antonio Griezmann and players like that yeah Frankfurt won against Marseille 1-0 which is great so these were the matches in Champions League we have some other news uh, we can uh, mention. Asda, a limit sale of just essential budget range. So Asda has temporarily limited purchase of its new budget range, which is called Just Essentials, blaming soaring demand. The sum- supermarket said customers would be limited to buying just three items at most of at most of each product until further notice. It launched Just Essentials in May promising an expanding line of low-cost products to help shoppers yeah. with the cost of living. I think that's a great initiative. I think it's also for the shoppers, you know, those people who are buying these stuff, mm. like they should realize to eat more, less now, which is also very good because it keeps you healthy if you eat less. Yeah, yeah. Just eat enough which you need. Yeah, don't, eat enough. It's not don't buy more stuff. Don't, which you I'm not saying that you should starve, but you should leave out a bit hunger in your belly. That's why yeah. people would say in, uh, in my language, which means that you should eat 
but don't eat, uh, eat healthy, of course, but uh, don't eat too much um, and uh, also restrain from those things which are not currently very healthy for you, which is, for example, fizzy drinks, anything with sugar. Uh, this will help also uh, us to uh, keep yourself healthy, but also to reduce the amount of food which you basically take during a day. Um, as in school are starting, you mm -hmm. know, um, I was talking to with my nephew. A uh, um, few of them are have already started school a few years ago. A few are starting now. Of course, those who are starting now, they are very excited. Those who have started a few years ago are not excited. Uh, I I remember when I went to school the first time, I was also very excited. But then, you know, when the holidays were, com were coming to an end, mm -hmm. you had that very awkward feeling that uh, you need to go back to school. But I'm saying that because my son, is, he will start nursery soon. And uh, he had started pre-nursing as well. Mm -hmm. It is something very as a new start for a lot of people, for a lot of students, but especially about school and education. Islam has said that Islam has already mentioned why education is important. And Absolutely, yeah. I was was un, I once was asked by a student what Islam says about getting knowledge, and mm -hmm. I said that Islam and knowledge are one of the same thing, because Islam is all about educating, mm -hmm. uh, not about worldly things, but also about religious things, but also about things. Or which helps to build up the society, like for looking after your character, you know, but moral things as well. So education is something, you know, where the Prophet, peace be upon him, has mentioned has clarified that it is necessary, f obligatory for both men and women to gain knowledge. Mm -hmm. And another thing he said that even if, if you have to go to China, then do it for knowledge. At that time, you know, nowadays it's very easy to go to China, you just book a uh, flight. But in that those days, you had to travel. You had to um, ride on a donkey, horse, camel, etc. Or sometimes you had to go by foot. So for those uh, who are excited for school, be excited. It is good to gain knowledge. Educate yourself. Read books. And also um, spend your time wisely as well. Uh, don't just spend your time on mobiles or on those uh electronic games go outside play football with your friends play basketball anything but just stay active as well and as i said take your time for uh for education as well as, as school is very important dear listeners um we will go for a short break and after a short break we will be back with our first segment which is uh, about justice the need for global justice and Aston Hashim will explain us what is required to gain global justice but before that we will go for a short break stay with us we'll be back after a few minutes prayer and istighfar seeking forgiveness are excellent remedies for apathy and indifference one should supplicate in salat oh Allah alienate me from my sins if a person continues to pray sincerely, it is certain that his prayer would be answered sometime. It is not good to be in a hurry. A farmer does not harvest the crop immediately after sowing. One who is impatient is unfortunate. The sign of a pious one 
is that he is not impatient. Lack of patience has resulted in many a known case of failure. If a person digs a well to the depth of 20 arms length and stops short of just one due to his impatience, he would waste his entire labor. Were he to dig the remaining arm length with patience, he would achieve his purpose. It is the way of God Almighty that He bestows the blessings of love, eagerness, and understanding after sufferings. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to the Breakfast Show. As promised, we will talk about global justice, and also as promised, my brother um, Hassan Hashmi will explain us how to gain global justice. What is the most important thing? Uh, well, Sahil, I think the most important thing is um, to see, you know, the opposite person who's sitting in front of you as a human being. Thank you. I'm just sitting in front of you. <laughs> Thank you. See me as a human. You're I welcome. You're welcome. Really appreciate that. <laughs> so as we as we can see from the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. What did he say? He said, "Like for your brother, what you like for yourself." It's it's such a simple and very important um, message. Message. Um, let's say you're buying a gift. Don't just buy a gift for someone which is, okay, something cheap and all that. But just buy what you like. Because, of course, after all, the person you're giving a gift is a human being. Mm. So we can see, uh, treat anything in the world, be it plants or anything, uh, treat it with just, basically. You know, so basically, you just you just mentioned this about humanity to look at them in an equal way as well. Here it comes about the question about race as well. People often question that as well, becoming uh, going in a very extreme way. But this is important as well that you shouldn't look after the color or the cause or the religion. You should the, the thing you just mentioned about the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, actually saying that whoever it is, uh, you should treat him with the same way in a good way, mm -hmm. uh, as you would be treated. And uh, this is, I think, you just given good answer for everything. Uh, you should pack, like, I mean, we, the whole segments about global justice and you just answered very beautiful that this is the key. Now, if you look in this way, the whole world should change. We would look after Absolutely. Uh, uh, like, there was an example, personal example for me, that there was an event, and we were, I think, we were, like, um, um, heating up some bread, mm. basically. And because there was uh, so much demand... Uh, like someone said to me, you know, just uh, like hit him just a bit and um, send him forward. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to heat it the way I like and then I'm going to send him forward. So I, I don't want people to like um, have a cold bread, you know. I want it how I like it. No, I understand that. Well, what is the gist of this story? So yes, so what we are going to discuss is that um, contemporary... Um, political philosophers had focused their theorizing about justice almost exclusively within the state. Um, but the last 20 years or so has seen a marked extension to the global sphere, while some, such as matters of just conduct in war, have long been uh, uh, you know, of concern. Others are more recent and arise, especially in the context of contemporary phenomena like intensified globalization, economic integration, and potential 
catastrophic anthropogenic climate change. So this is something you know about climate change as well. You just mentioned this as well. So there are many things to discuss about uh, this as well. Um, dear listeners, we, we won't discuss this alone. We have someone online. Uh, we have Kieran Gravel, who's a reader in sociology at Goldsmith University of London, where she commenced the MA in Human Rights, Culture and Social Justice and is co-director of the Unit for Global Justice. Originally a lawyer, Kieran has become increasingly disorganized with formal institutions and over the last 10 years has been working with feminists and other activist collectives in Sri Lanka on grassroots politics and social change. Kieran Gravel, good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Uh, good morning, thank you. Um, I really appreciate that you have uh, taken out your time. Um, Kieran, um, there's a lot of we wanted to discuss. Um, uh, and Yes, Kieran. So I wanted to ask that, you know, in accordance uh, to your knowledge, uh, what does one mean by the word justice? Mm. Yeah, that's a very complicated question and <laughs> something that <laughs> many uh, philosophers have spent uh, many, many years debating amongst themselves. But um, I think for me, um, because I'm particularly interested in, in what ordinary people think about justice and how ordinary people organize around the idea of justice. I think at a minimum, it's about feeling recognized, um, being heard, um, and being treated uh, with value and respect. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's certainly been my experience when I look at different movements in different parts of the world when they ask for justice. I think that is the kind of bottom line that unites them all. Absolutely. Uh, so um, why is justice important and basically how is it delivered in the modern age? And do you believe in any possible improvements? Mm. Uh, well, so, I mean, I think it's important because, you know, I work in the field of human rights and there are often debates about, you know, are human rights uh, really universal? Are they actually imposing one set of values on another set of values? You know, particularly, is it a sort of product of the West? Um, and, you know, putting that debate aside, I think for me, the question of justice is something that can really be seen as a universal. I think regardless of the, the part of the world you come from, the value system you follow, um, and the content of that may change. But I think at a minimum, you can say that the idea that people striving for justice is a universal and it's something that has been with us you know, uh, historically as well, there have always been calls for justice. Um, so I think that's probably why it's so important. Um, and I think in the in the modern age, you know, if you think about the world right now, I think it's more important than ever because I think we can agree that we're seeing a rise in the level of inequality and injustice. Um, you know, maybe not over the course of the whole of our history, um, but I was talking with friends about this last night. I think, you know, after a period where we really started to see, you know, change happening where, you know, the ideas of democracy with ideas of rights, uh, with ideas of development, that there was this sort of appeal to the idea that we could all be equal. With, you know, the current state of the world, with the way neoliberal economics works, with geopolitics, I think we see that that is not a reality. And in fact, inequality is growing. Um, and so I think that's why for many people, this question of justice is more pressing now than it maybe it has been in the recent past. 
Um, and then, yeah, in response to your question of, uh, of improvement, yes, definitely, partly because, as I said, I think even though we've seen a rise in the idea of, you know, global justice, creating international institutions, actually that has gone hand in hand with growing inequality. Um, and that's why, you know, in my bio, I said that I feel very disillusioned with the current state of formal institutions. And so for me, the improvements really are about how do ordinary people in different parts of the world get together at a local level and, and you know, create networks amongst themselves, come up with their own ideas of what a just world looks like and how do they organize themselves in a way that actually pushes back against some of these formal institutions. Um, Karen, I've got a question. Um, you just said that nowadays um, inequality has risen. People have become a bit more unjust. Uh, if you look in history, we have seen many, many uh, times where um, the times of ages of unjust. How is it that mm. we haven't learned anything from that yet? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a, this is the million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think you know the the reality is there will always be that tension between you know the those of us appealing for a just world those of us concerned with equality um you know those of us committed to some idea of you know solidarity with others and and those of us who will look to take advantage of a situation who will you know use power in a way that benefits them and the people that they care about and so i think You know, there's not going to ever be a time, and you know, maybe this sounds a bit, uh, you know, too cynical for first thing in the morning, but I don't think it, there will ever be a time where we say, yes, there is complete justice. I think there will always be that, that struggle. Um, and I think for me, what is really important is that the, the battle is fought on more equal ground, that, you know, different versions of what, what a world should look like, what our world should look like, or society should look like. Um, at the moment, I feel like, The people who are pushing for, you know, um, whatever, whether it's a better relationship with our environment, better relationship with, you know, other people, more tolerance, that I feel like we're fighting an uphill battle at the moment. I see. And um, Karen, uh, how, do the, how do we think about justice in this day and age? Well, so, I mean, I'm particularly interested in... Um, ideas of, of decolonial justice, which I think sort of takes on board, um, you know, some of the things you mentioned before about, um, you know, respect for the environment mm. or, you know, changing our relationship to other species. Um, but also, I think the importance of a decolonial idea of justice is to recognize that there is not one vision of how the world should be. Not all of us have the same experience of being in the world. Um, and one of the great injustices that we've seen, particularly with colonialism, is the imposition of one set of values on everybody. And unfortunately, even in the attempts of you know, decolonization, many of the, the ideas about one set of values have still stayed. And so I think it's really important for us to be able to recognize that there are many different ways of being in this world um, and that they can all coexist in a way that doesn't require one set of values to be given priority. So it's that challenge of how do we speak to each other across our differences um, without trying to impose one 
framework. Thank you very much. Uh, so, uh, you know, a brief glance into our world shows us that justice is considered a universal subject of interest. Uh, do you believe a global justice system is achievable? And if so, is it beneficial and reliable? Mm. I mean, they, certainly I think, you know, the 1990s when I was, you know, first studying law and human rights, I was really you know, interested in this idea that, you know, we build, we were building this UN system, international courts, human rights systems, and I did believe that there was some way of doing this. I, over my years of experience working in those systems, I am less confident, mm-hmm. um, and this is what's really pushed me towards thinking more of a, an idea of, you know, many different versions of the project of justice, and how do we let them coexist rather than having one overarching. But I do think that there is some value in, you know, at a minimum, um, creating some kind of way that those different ideas of justice can speak to each other. So I think, you know, we we don't want to see a world where we're all separated in our own little corners. I think we do, you know, as people were talking about, you know, we do live in a global world. So if, you know, the things that oppress us are global forces, um, you know, like particular versions of of capital, then we also need global responses to that. But I think rather than it coming from one sort of central point, I think what is more important to me is how do we build networks where in different places, the different sorts of concerns that people have can speak to each other. So I see it less as a kind of centralized global justice system and more as a kind of network of solidarity that links people across different places with different issues. Um, Dr. Kern, uh, last question. Um, you are uh, you have also established a new social um, project, Decolonial. Can, can you um, just explain to our listener what that project actually is? Yes, yeah, so this um, this is work I've been doing with um, some friends in Sri Lanka. So as I said, um, you know, I, I started up doing this kind of work um, working within the international human rights system and I first went to Sri Lanka as part of a project that was about bringing you know ideas of international human rights to Sri Lanka in the aftermath of the war and what I saw was just such a disconnect between you know what people from the outside imagined was the problem in Sri Lanka that needed to be fixed I was working particularly on torture and and then the kind of disregard for how different groups within Sri Lankan society had already been struggling and and come up with very creative ways of responding to, you know, the injustice in their society. And so this project was about saying, okay, rather than us assuming that the formal institutions, that, you know, human rights lawyers are the ones who know, what would it look like to start from the level of community? Um, You know, local villages, how do they organize and think about, you know, issues of justice? What are the conversations that happen in temples, in mosques, in uh, you know community spaces? Um, and so through that, we set up um, a project where we started to to think about. You know, it's also true that you know one of the advantages I have in my life, the priv- great privilege I have, is I'm paid to spend time thinking, debating, learning mm-hmm. about things that are going on in the world. Lots of people are just struggling to survive, and so the project was really about. How do we give people who don't have the access and the privilege that I have, how do we give them a space where 
they can learn about what's happening in other parts of the world where they can think about, you know, their own situation and they can debate it amongst themselves. And so we've created these little forums in Sri Lanka where we do exactly that, where we share ideas, we talk about what's happening in other parts of the world, and we debate what's happening for people locally, whether it's on issues of caste, gender, uh, you know, religious um, divisions, and, and other issues. Um, and so that's really the work I've been interested in Sri Lanka. So it's basically trying to model what I was saying to you before about not trying to impose one frame, but working at the level of communities to give them the possibility of thinking through their own problems, but also connecting with other people in other parts of the world. Mm, Dr. Kiran, um, it is a great task you have uh, chosen, and we wish you all the best for that. Thank you for joining the Breakfast Show, and uh, good luck for the future. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye. Dear listeners, um, if you want to contribute to the show, if you want to let us know how you think global justice can achieve, you can call it at any time at 020-86-877-878 or you can tweet us by at Voice of Islam UK. Um, meanwhile, I will also ask me, justice is something, you know, you have heard a lot of time, a lot of people are talking about, people are, you know, shouting about justice. They want justice. They need justice, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of things which happen right now is because of injustice. We know war is happening because of injustice. Um, if you just think about this word, this word justice, what is that word? What stand? What does it stand for? So, um, Sahil, justice, you know, for many people refers to basically fairness. But uh, while fairness is important to almost everyone, it means different things to different groups. So social justice is the belief that everyone deserves equal opportunities, uh, regardless of race, gender or religion. And distributive justice is the fair um, division of assets among uh, society members. Um, environmental justice is the fair treatment of all people with respect to the environmental burdens and benefits. So restorative or restorative justice seeks to make those who have uh, suffered a complete injustice. Retributive justice seeks to punish wrongdoers fairly and equitably. Uh, Any uh, procedural justice refers to the implementation of legal decisions in accordance with fair and uh, impartial processes. So justice is one of the most important Um, moral values in the fields of uh, law and politics, maintaining law and order is, is important, but it is only possible if it results in justice being served. As you said, it is only possible if justice is served. And um, this is so, as you said in the beginning, you need to consider everyone as equal. You need to consider everyone as a human being. And you just called a very beautiful saying of Dali Prophet, peace be upon him, that like for your brother the same thing what you like for yourself as well and this you know this will resolve a lot of people a lot of problems if people if the world will start thinking like that um the listeners you can be sure that islam is a religion of justice it promotes justice everywhere uh and uh, islam is also a religion who looks after mankind as well islam is a religion who's against racism islam is a religion who stands for uh, stands up for the rights for women children and every person in this world 
Awesome. Uh, according to Islam, what is the concept of justice in Islam? So if you look at um, chapter 4, verse 59, it says that verily God commands you to make over the trusts to those entitled to them, and that when he judge between men, you judge with justice, and surely excellent is that with uh, which God admonishes you. God is all hearing and all seeing. Also in chapter 5, verse 9, it says that, O you who believe, be steadfast in the cause of God, bearing witness in equity, and let not a, a people's enmity inside you to act otherwise than with justice. Be always just that is nearer to righteousness and fear God. Surely God is aware of what you do. You know, while I was listening, uh, you were just mentioning the quote or the verse of the Holy Quran. While I was listening to Dr. Um, Karen, Karen uh, she was saying that you know global justice to achieve global justice would be impossible. Would be impossible because not everywhere we would see these things. So you know, this is something. Of course, people are trying and uh, people are doing the utmost. This holiness piece upon him. He has spoken out about justice as well. Where he went, he talked about justice and he gave guidelines to, in, to the Holy Quran how to achieve justice. How and um, now, my question is, Arsene, uh, all the strength, all the time just passed away. You know, everything people have done, those mm -hmm. who stood up for justice, is justice something really which we can achieve for everyone? Is, is justice there can we achieve just because you know if I look into this world right now I don't see much justice mm -hmm. and this is a true thing yeah. I don't want to mention anything I want to put my finger to free politicians I don't want to do that but this is the true thing the bad sad thing but this is my own uh, thinking but I want to know from you is justice achievable so um, basically the most fundamental principle of justice is the principle that uh, people should be treated the same, regardless of their status. In its uh, contemporary form, this principle is sometimes expressed as follows, that individuals should be treated the same unless they differ in the way they relate to the situation in which they are involved. So the promised Messiah uh, frequently reminds us to always stand firm on truth and justice. He insists that we should never abandon the truth even if the you know the results in harming ourselves or our parents and family uh, this should be done only to maintain justice for that is the commandment of allah we should not ha have our personal gains in mind but the truth and only the truth so there are many reasons you know why we may treat people differently uh, some of these reasons may be uh, justified while others uh, Maybe not. So some people believe that it is fair when, let's say, a parent pays more attention and care in his private affairs than he does to the children uh, of others. When the person uh, who is first in line at the theater is given first choice of uh, theater tickets, uh, when the government provides benefits to the needy, that it does not provide to more um, affluent citizens. When some of um, have done wrong, who are given punishment that are not meted out on others who have not done, um, you know, nothing wrong, 
and when those who accept more effort or make greater contribution receive more benefits for project and others um we not uh, we acknowledge that the criteria of need um desired contribution and effort uh, can justify different you know differential treatment there are many of these criteria to consider uh she said um there are many many things we need to consider about the listeners we will talk about this topic furthermore but before we do though we will go for a short break do us a favor stay tuned with the uh, radio voice of islam and if you want to contribute you can do so any times you can tweet us over at voice of islam uk or you can call in at 02086877878 until then after the news you are listening to the recording of a live show please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed in the name of allah the most gracious ever merciful dear listeners welcome back to the breakfast show you're still listening to the breakfast uh, to the voice of islam radio broadcasting live here from the largest mosque of western europe the birth of two mosque my name is shahmi ahmed and i'm joined here with my brother asim hashmi and we are talking about a very important topic global justice and how to achieve that the listeners let us know about you own view how uh, what do you think about global justice what do you think can global justice be achieved and if yes how can we achieve it you can call in at any time at 02086877878 or tweet us by at voice of islam uk meanwhile asim will tell us now about more about justice absolutely sir so um the last sermon of the prophet muhammad peace and blessings of allah be upon him was that allah has made you brethren one to another so be not divided an arab has no preference over a non-arab no a non-arab over an arab no is a white one to be referred to a dark one no a dark one to a white one i'm leaving something with you that will safeguard you against all error if you hold fast to it that is allah's book so basically inside the reasons why we believe that some forms of treatment are not you know justifiable grounds for yeah. uh, differentiating between people in the world of work for example we generally find it unfair to give people um special treatment based on age uh, gender race or the religious preferences so if a person unrelated to the judge receives a suspended let's say sentence for let, let's say like an armed robbery or if the brother of a director of public works receives the million dollar contract to install sprinklers you know on, on the municipal golf course we feel that is unfair we also believe that um, you know that it is unfair for a person to be punished for suffering that do not control or to be compensated for the harm they have suffered You know, um, Aston, it's very amazing that uh, you have mentioned so many things from the religious perspective as well. You have mentioned Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. You can see, dear listeners, that he was a person who would promote justice wherever he would go. And he would make sure that his companions, his followers, would listen and would act upon it. Mm-hmm. Dear listeners, as you have mentioned, um, we're just uh, going to a very difficult time. as passing away about her majesty and in the beginning we talked about her incredible work she has done one thing as some also we have mentioned before is that she ruled with justice as well mm-hmm. she has given the explanation of justice through her act of working 
Absolutely, Asyl. So uh, Her Majesty had influence uh, on the living justice, you know, a work of uh, human rights, etc., through the charity work she was involved in, the styles of ruling. So uh, we can mention some uh, charitable work, you know, the Queen was a patron for 600 different charities like uh, Girl Guides, uh, Cancer Research, the Bible Society, and the National Horse Racing Museum, you know, to name a few. Uh, you know, the Queen Elizabeth has supported a, a huge range of is issues, you know, including faith, children, young people, education, training, community, and uh, civic back in 2012 when the Queen had celebrated 60 years of reign, the Charity Aid Foundation claimed that she was among the world's largest supporters of charity with an estimate of 1.4 billion pounds raised just over from her work alone. So currently over 300 organizations list a member of the royal family as their patron president. You know, examples are uh, charities like, you know, the British Red, Cross Redham Children Trust, um, two regiments in the armed forces. No, this is truly amazing thing. I mean, this, this is truly an amazing thing because um, she was, you know, she was already on that point that whatever she will do, she will do it through justice as mm -hmm. well. Um, I remember, there's a quote I want to mention here, dear listeners, affair is, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be a long or short, shall be devoted to your service. You know, this is a promise she made on her 20, uh, 21st birthday, that time as a princess. And then, she, of course, she became the queen as well. Mm -hmm. So you can see, this, before she became leader of the country, she was already devoted to that point. And uh, this is this is something you know, brilliant, amazing. Um, dear listeners, one thing uh, is very important for a leader: guidance given from the Holy Prophet peace be upon him is that a leader is a servant of his or her nation, means that she will go, or he will go with, uh, being a role model with guidance. She, he, he will act before that. I remember the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. Ask him, you might remember as well when he was building the mosque. Uh, of uh, the Medina, mm -hmm. he was the first one who would take the first stone. Yeah, and the companion would rush to him, would say, "No, no, let me, let us do this, let us do this." And they would take the stone from him, and then he would go back, and we would take another stone, just showing that he is also a servant of his nation, of his people. And uh, he, the way he has treated uh, Bilal, you know, a black companion, a black African companion of. The, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him he had given him so many rights he was treated before Islam as a slave as unfortunately he was treated in the worst, worst uh, um, way um, he was put on the ha uh, hot, very hot uh, sandy sand uh, and where stones were uh, put on yeah, his chest yeah. as well where he mm -hmm. couldn't breathe mm. he would um, he they would uh, um, take him to in the streets of Makkah naked and people were thrown stones and filth on him just to show that he is not a human being but the Holy Prophet people on him and he came he gave rights to these people he gave guy rights to slave and he would give him so many rights that he would be the first one who would call the prayer for uh, the, the call for the prayer which is one of the most honorable thing you can do in Islamic religion mm -hmm. and uh, during the time of the second caliph he was also mentioned also remembered as chief as Sadar as a chief of uh, companions of the Islamic religion 
And this is, you know, and in, during the time when Makkah was conquered, the Prophet said, whoever wants to be, um, uh, want to, uh, save, want to be, wants to save himself, he should take refuge, shelter by Bilal. And those people who treated him very badly, they asked for help, they asked for forgiveness by Bilal. Amazing. Yeah. And this is how, you know, this is how he has given him that status. And then the rights of women, you know, in that time, women had no rights as well. They weren't treated equally, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And what he said is, the first thing he said, that the paradise, it's not the first thing, but one of the first things he said, that the paradise lies under the feet of your mother. So treat her with respect and dignity. And then he also said that, to um, that about knowledge, that knowledge is necessary to gain for man and woman, for both. So he gave the rights for women to gain knowledge as well. Uh, he stood up and he would listen to his wife as well. When they would explain him something, he wouldn't say, no, you should be quiet. He would he, he would listen to them, the advice and he would follow that as well. I remember uh, the Treaty of Hedebia, mm-hmm. uh when he had told his companions to um, slaughter the animals now. No one, went, no one was ready to listen to him in that moment because everyone was a bit confused because of the treaty. So he was very sad and he went back to his tent and his wife t- had motivated him and listen, told him, listen, do by yourself, do um, slaughter the animals by yourself and you will see the companion will follow you. So it was the wife who motivated him again. And he would listen to her, he would listen to his advice. He said that a wife is someone you, you are carrying around on a chair. So this is the respect he has given to other people as well. This is how he put justice into the hearts of his companions. And this is the way Her Majesty also would do. Absolutely, Sal. As we were speaking of leaders, um, the current caliph said that no officer is appointed to a service with the view of becoming an officer. Rather, in Islam, the concept of an office bearer is quite different. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has explains it so that the leader of a people is their servant. For an office bearer to discharge his trust with respect to people is, you know, his being a servant to the nation. This condition is created in man when he has the spirit of sacrifice in him. He is humble and meek. Uh, the standard of his patience is higher than others. The office bearers can evaluate their own selves as to how high and to what extent is the level of their forbearance. Uh, what is the extent of the humbleness? So we can clearly see that um, as we were talking about the queen, uh, how remarkable she was, how humble she was, how um, giving she was mm. for the community to the world. You know, she was not from the uh, same like we are Muslims but she wasn't a Muslim mm-hmm. right um, we are from the South Asian community but she is not but she would welcome everyone and she would fee- uh, make sure that everyone would feel the same and everyone would be treated in the same way as I said she wasn't from the same we weren't, we weren't from the same religion but we were treated like we are the same and this is how she has lead the country as well and this is an example she have put for everyone of, uh, as I said her majesty will be missed she left behind a big legacy and people will remember her for a long time as well um, we yeah. will we pray also for the new leader King Charles III that he may Allah give him long life and thank to Nithal as well um, dear listeners um, we will now show a short clip uh, and after that we will be back
can we say that god is justice god is what justice justice no, god is not justice uh, because uh, some christians they say that muslim believe that god is justice no 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 we don't say that they believe christians exactly it is the opposite you know you have read the book jami atham yes um um uh, jang e muqaddas yes. there this issue has been discussed in detail between hazrat masih mawlana sallallahu alaihi wasallam and atham um hazrat masih mawlana sallallahu alaihi wasallam made it very clear that allah is not mentioned as adil in the holy quran at all he is mentioned as malik and there is one fine distinction between an adil and a malik an adil is the one who does not possess a thing but he is only the implementer of certain laws which are given to him he works within the four walls of a frame of law so he has to execute law the law without regard to his own compassion so he can't forgive he has to just uh, implement the law on the uh, basis of other that is absolute justice but if one is also the proprietor he is the owner of thing then it is up to him to live a, a life belonging to him because every right belongs to god and uh, to violate god's right is sin in ultimate analysis so if allah is malik he can forgive anything if he is just adil then he is just bound by the law and he can't deviate from the law so this is the gist of a part of uh, debate between hazrat nasim aur allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and uh, abdullah atham if a christian says exactly the opposite is totally wrong In the name of Allah the most gracious ever merciful. Dear listeners, welcome back to the Voice of Islam Radio. You're listening to the Breakfast Show. My name is Shahmin Ahmed and I'm joined here with my brother Asim Hashmi. Asim, I'm actually, you know, absolutely in a very positive manner surprised. Mm-hmm. You have mentioned you have talked about justice and you have mentioned so many good things, so many advice you gave from the Quran from the these dear listeners. It was amazing to listen, and if you have any contribution to make, you can do so as well. Let us know what you think about global justice, and what you have learned today from Ask Mashmi about Islam and justice. You, you can call it any time at o two o eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, or you can tweet us by at Voice of Islam UK. Ask will happily to listen what you have learned today. Wasim, I mean justice is important, of course, but we have talked a lot about justice now. We should yeah. move on. Mm-hmm. It is not a very big problem we have in this world, which we are suffering, and we want this to come to an end as well. Uh, people are making movements, um, trying to convince the politicians to do something. It is about it's a very um, critical topic, mm-hmm. and we have seen it in this summer as well. It is about climate crisis and reducing our carbon footprint. as i said you know climate just you know climate crisis is something very big and um it is getting worse 
Uh, you will agree with, uh, with absolutely, me. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but how did why has it become so worse for us? Um, so Sahil, um, you know, the climate crisis has become was uh, you know with millions of people at risk due to unpredictable climate patterns and and natural disasters. So uh, the Earth's uh, CO2 levels are now 50% higher than pre-industrial era, raising further concerns of climate change. Statistics show the most polluted countries in the world, uh, availability you know, of safe drinking water by countries, w world targets in reducing carbon emissions and methods in achieving those targets. You know, uh, uh, in Al, Al Jazeera, um, they have discussed this, uh, that how we can reduce carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. Now, they have said that, uh, it's an article of Al Jazeera, that people across the globe observe June 5 as World Environment Day. Led by the United Nations, it is the largest global platform for environmental awareness and outreach. Now, this year, the annual conference is be being hosted by Sweden with the only one Earth campaign slogan and a focus on living sustainably in harmony with nature. Now, um, they also have mentioned the, the most polluted countries in this world. And I said about 7 million premature deaths happen every year due to air pollution or in or one in nine of all that. Nine out of 10 people breathe unclean air, making it the most significant environmental health risk of all time. Now, in 2021, India had 63 of the world's 100 most polluted cities, followed by China, 12, Pakistan, 6, Kazakhstan, 4, and Bangladesh, 2. Now, according to Air Quality Tracker, IQR, all these cities had um, uh, 2.5 air quality rating of more than 50, a value that exceeds the world health organization guidelines by more than 10 times. Mm -hmm. Now, um, Bihwadi in India had the worst ever average air quality in 2021 at 106.2. And if you come to the uh, safest drinking water, in 2022, about three quarters of the world population had access to clean drinking water. This is 74%. One in four people do not have access to a safe managed water source. In low-income countries, unsafe water account, accounts for for six out of every hundred deaths. Now, this is a long um, article, dear listeners. It's about it's a topic. As I said, it's a very important topic. It's about climate change, and you can see climate change is causing death as well, Asim. Absolutely. Yeah. Seven million people have died because of that, and. Um, we as a Muslim, I, I've already said and I've already mentioned it. As a Muslim, it is very important that we safeguard man humanity, and for that we should do everything we could do. If we need to stop climate change, then of course we do, and we will approach politicians. But one thing we also do is we pray for that. It is something you know it's causing a lot of trouble, and it's getting worse. As I said, mm -hmm. uh, and how comes you know? Awesome. One thing I will never understand is even though we're living together in this day and age we live, we live in every day and age humanity has lived together but somehow we sometimes we do not look after the, the planet the place we're living in you know the 
Quran has said that we are guardians. Of, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have um, we have duties towards this country. Absolutely, uh, it also says in the you know Holy Quran that verily we have made all that is on the earth as an ornament for it, that we may try them as to which of them is best in contact. Also, you know, humans are entrusted to look after that, as you said, it is our duty to repair and protect it. Indeed, um, Asim, you know, I've just read out the, the article um, uh, before you. Yeah. And yeah. I just mentioned a few numbers as well. Um, can you just, for the listeners again, outline these statistics given in the articles? Absolutely. Um, you know, it says that less than 20% of the population in country, can, uh, 10 countries, 8 in Africa and 2 in Asia, have access to, you know, properly regulating drinking water. Um, Chad, 5.6%. Central Africa Republic, 6.2%. Sierra Leone only has 10%. Rwanda, 12%. And Ethiopia has the lowest share percentage of 12.6%. You know, Greece, Iceland, Kuwait, Liechtenstein, Malta, Monaco, New Zealand, and San Marino and Singapore are amongst the nations where everyone has access to clean drinking water. You know, the Paris Climate Agreement, a global a binding agreement on a climate change that went into force on November 4, 2016, was ratified by 196 nations on December 12, 2016. The treaty objective is to keep the global warming far below 2 degrees Celsius, which is uh, 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit, ideally below 1.5 Celsius. The three largest uh, polluters in the world um, are China, the United States, and the European Union, you know, have established a net zero aim accounting for um, around 76% of global emissions. Uh, as we can also, you know, from the Islamic point of view, that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah, Allah be upon him, has said that there is none amongst you who plants a tree or sows seeds, and then a bird or a person or an animal eats from it, but that will be taken as an act of charity for him. So clearly, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has emphasized on this that how much, you know, how important it is to plant trees, care for your country. And this is, you know, again, um, Islam, who's looking after so many things, explaining us so many things very beautifully, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he. He would look, he would knew what's happening and he would give guidance, which even nowadays are very important as well. As you said, you know, about planting a tree, that he, he has, you know, motivated, he has told this is important. Dear listeners, we have a short clip to play. Um, after the clip, we will be back. Okay, Wizard, um, as you might already know, the impact of climate change has been felt throughout the world uh, and it's getting severe more than ever. So my question is, what is your opinion regarding the current situation of, of the climate change? And how should we 
um, try to address the issue. You see, this climate change or climate change problem is the issue everywhere all across the world, right? And uh, especially in the third world countries where uh, the population is increasing in numbers, eh? in, in, uh, you can say, without any proportion. So and, uh, just to accommodate this population, you are uh, increasing your uh, residential areas. And because of increasing the residential areas, you, you are uh, cutting the forest. So this deforestation is also causing climate change. So you, you have to be very particular, very concerned that whenever you cut any tree, you should plant two trees to replace the, that tree. And whenever you are in, the population is increasing, you should also increase in that area where there is already some uh, clear area. Not that you cut, cut the forests and uh, do deforestation. And apart from that, you see, this uh, fuel consumption should also be reduced. Now we have, we have become so lazy that if you want to go from one place to the other place and the distance is only 100 yards or 200 yards, instead of walking to the place, we shall take our motorbike or the car to go to that place. Right? And in this way also you are polluting the atmosphere. Pollute, pollution is increasing in the environment. And there are so many other factors which are causing pollution and climate change. And so we have to be very careful, although we cannot say that because of the fear of uh, climate change we should, uh, n n should not produce uh, children or we should uh, n do family planning. No, but at the same time we should plan in such a way that the forest should not be cut without any proportion. If you cut one tree, you plant two trees. Try to establish your or, or develop your areas, or increase your, your to make your new to 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 start new developments, residential developments in those areas which are near to the town and the the big villages, so that the forests are not disturbed, and at the same time use less uh, such type of vehicles which are being run by the fuels and are now making pollution in the atmosphere, right? So, and apart from that, that is a natural process. And uh, if God wishes that he has to reduce the population of this world, then there is the natural process that he will, the, the nature, law of nature will also work. So whatever we should do is 
that whatever is in our hand, we should try to do that one. Right? So, you should, if you are using motorbike, don't use it too much. If you are using car, don't use it too much. Eh? It would be better if you walk even up to one mile distance. Doesn't matter. Dear listeners, you just listened to a clip or an answer given by His Holiness, Azamizamusuhamad. And he, he, in the end, you know, he said one very important thing not to use the bike too much or the car so much, but you should also walk. Walking is very good, it's very healthy as well, dear listeners. And dear listeners, we will discuss this the topic furthermore. Um, I'm very delighted to say that we have a guest with us who um, has joined just, um, his name is Philip Evans, who is a climate campaigner for Greenpeace UK and currently working on the UK oil and gas industry. He has been employed by Greenpeace for six years and has previously worked in digital campaigning and with communities on the east coast of Scotland where much of the UK's oil and gas industry is based. Philip Evans, good morning and welcome to the Breakfast Show. Good morning, thank you for having me. Um, I appreciate you taking out your time. Um, Philip, um, before we start, uh, for our listeners, can you explain what is Greenpeace and what are you goals? Sure. Um, so Greenpeace is an environmental campaign group. Um, and for the last 50 years, we've been trying to achieve social and political change um, to protect our environment from threats like toxic pollution, deforestation, war and climate change. Um, what we want is a green and peaceful planet. And we put pressure on governments and companies to help get us there thank you very much um so um philip uh, what do you consider to be the biggest uh, factors for the increasing climate change um <clears throat> so by far the biggest contributor to climate change is the burning of fossil fuels mm -hmm. um like oil gas and coal um which obviously countries around the world do a lot of. Um, the problem with that is that when those fossil fuels are burnt, they produce carbon dioxide, um, which then gets into the atmosphere and heats our planet up. Um, and that's exactly what's happening. You know, the planet is getting hotter. And I think we all, from our own experiences, can, can recognize that that's happening. Mm. You know, it's getting a lot hotter out there. Absolutely. Um, This summer, you know, here in the UK, it reached 40 degrees. Um, you and I know that that's not normal for the UK. Mm -hmm. um, you know, 40 degrees is, is hotter than it's ever been in Cuba. Um, and because of that, you know, we saw things like wildfires in places like Croydon um, here in London. Um, and the UK government was forced to declare a national emergency. Um, And that's, you know, just the UK, you know, earlier this year in parts of Pakistan and India, um, it broke 50 degrees. So, you know, think about how unbearable it was for us at 40 degrees and then add another 10 degrees to that. Um, so burning those fossil fuels is the main driver behind these record breaking temperatures. Um, 
which in turn is also causing more and more extreme weather events um, like droughts and floods, um, like the devastating floods we've just seen in Pakistan. Um, you know, those floods left a third of the country underwater um, and displaced, you know, more than 30 million people. Mm. Um, that's a humanitarian catastrophe. Um, and this is what, you know, climate change does. And if we don't start moving away from fossil fuels, um, it's only going to get worse. Luckily, um, there are other energy sources out there that we can use, like wind and solar. Um, you know, these are clean energy sources that don't harm the climate. Um, they're abundant um, and they're also much cheaper than fossil fuels. So it's really important that countries around the world move as quickly as possible towards those clean, renewable energy sources and away from fossil fuels um, to tackle the climate crisis. Um, so, Philip, you know, the most important question will be that, is it too late to, to like, reverse the effects of climate change? And if not, uh, how long do you think it will take for positive change to be apparent? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, climate change is mostly bad news. Um, and, you know, a common story that your, you know, your listeners might hear on the news or, or read in, in the papers is that, you know, things are getting worse faster than we expected, mm -hmm. um, which is true. Um, but recently, some important good news um, did come out of the scientific community. Um, so 20 years ago, if you'd have asked the scientists, you know, how long will it take from us stopping polluting to actually seeing positive impacts in the world, mm -hmm. they would have said it would take decades. You know, it would take you know, decades of things getting worse before they get better, even though we would have made those positive changes. Um, but recent studies have actually shown that that's wrong um, and that, you know, when we do stop um, emitting carbon pollution, we should actually see improvements right away. Those improvements will be slow, but they will start as soon as we stop polluting. Um, you know, and this really should motivate us all, you know, to take those positive steps because we now know that, you know, we'll reap the benefits of that immediately. But, um, you know, we do need to actually take those positive steps like drastically reducing our fossil fuel use and ultimately winding it down completely. Philip, thank you for that motivating question uh, answer. But I have another question. Is there a point where you say that now it is impossible to change, to bring a positive change? We can only, you know, act on um, what we know now. Mm -hmm. um, and we know that if we do the right things, we can Avert, um, avert the very worst impacts of this crisis, and that should really be the message that um, we all that we all take and we all listen to and act on. You know, scientists are very clear that we can, you know, we can still reverse this. Um, we know what we need to do. It's just critical that we actually start doing it. Um, so, Philip, what can be uh, done by ordinary people? and maybe authorities to tackle this issue? Um, yeah, I mean, so obviously, 
um, you know, climate change is um, a huge issue. It's it's a very scary thing, mm-hmm. um, and you know, in many ways, it's also very complex. Um, but as I was, you know, saying, luckily we know exactly what we, you know, need to do to avoid the very worst of this crisis, yeah. um, and that's because scientists and, and experts have told us what we need to do. Um, and so one of those key things is, as I say, to move away from fossil fuels as quickly as possible because they're such a key driver of the crisis. Mm. Now, you know, we as individuals um, can all do our bit to help with that. Um, you know, we can try not to waste energy. We can try to fly less, etc. cetera. Um, but ultimately, it's governments that really need to lead on this. Um, governments around the world need to listen to the experts and start doing what they're telling them to do. So, for example, um, experts are very clear with governments that if they're to tackle the crisis in time, they can't approve any new fossil fuel projects. You know, that's a that's a red line because fossil fuels are such a key factor in driving climate change. And yet, you know, if we look at the UK, the government has just approved a major new gas field in the North Sea, um, and they said they want to let oil and gas companies continue to search for even more fossil fuels to drill. So, you know, that needs to stop because we're at crisis point. Um, you know, as we're seeing in in Pakistan, across, you know, the West Coast of the US, and also here in, in Europe, you know, people are dying, people are losing their homes because of this crisis. So instead of digging up more fossil fuels that will only create more climate pollution and make this climate crisis worse, you know, governments really need to be focusing on those clean, renewable energy sources that I mentioned earlier, so wind and solar. Um, those energy sources, you know, can provide us with the energy that we need, you know, to live, to get around, etc. Um, but in a way that doesn't destroy the climate and put us all at risk. Um, so that's certainly something that governments need to start doing to tackle the issue. Um, and as, indi- as individuals, you know, people like you and I and your listeners have a role to play in pushing governments to do that. You know, a very simple and easy thing for us all to do is to tell our MP that mm. climate change is something we're really worried about and that we want them to, you know, do something about it. Um, you know, that could very well be the most important thing that any of us do um, in the face of the climate crisis. Philip, um, on your opinion, what is the main threat of climate change? I mean, the main threat of, of climate change is, is what we're seeing now, right? Like, um, as I say, in Pakistan, mm. um, million, tens of millions of people have been displaced. People are losing their lives. You know, climate change is happening now, and it's and it's impacting people's lives. It's, it's you know, it's killing people. Um, it's causing people to lose their lives, their livelihoods. That's the threat of climate change. You know, we're seeing it now. Um, and uh, just last question, last question, um, Philip. Can you say tell us the difference between global warming and climate change? I mean, global warming, global heating. That 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 is the impact of climate change as we change the climate through, you know, things like burning fossil fuels, um, the world is becoming hotter. Mm. So we're seeing global temperatures rise. As I say, we're seeing record-breaking temperatures. 
you know, here in the UK, across the world, that is um, the impact of burning fossil fuels. And that in turn is, is changing the climate. As I say, it, it's, it's creating um, more and more extreme weather events like droughts and floods and extreme hurricanes. We know that um, that is the result of climate change, that those extreme weather events are becoming much more frequent um, and much more extreme and dangerous. Um, as I say, you know, we've just seen it in Pakistan. That is climate change, and that really should be um, the wake-up call for the world. Um, if, you know, if, <laughs> if we haven't woken up yet, mm. that, that should be the moment. No, you're right with that. It's very terrifying what we see nowadays and what we have witnessed by ourselves as well. And the world has become hot as well and what we see in different countries like Pakistan. Um, Philip, um, thank you for joining the Breakfast Show. I wish you all the best for the future and thank you again. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Dear listeners, um, climate change is a very horrifying topic. It is real. It is happening. And Philip has mentioned uh, future statistic that the world is becoming hotter. People are dying. We have um, a good um, example of Pakistan. What I want to know from you is what do you think? How can we done? What can be done? What else can be done? But it's not mentioned by Philip. How to to stop climate change? You can call it at any time. Be a uh, contributor of this show about this topic as well because it's one top very important topic topic we need to go through and the top thing we need to stop and we need to stop it together so let us know let us know your answer you can call in at any time at 020-86-877-878 or you can tweet it at voice of islam uk Asim, um climate change uh as i just mentioned it is causing death as well as causing mm -hmm. people losing their life yeah um Climate change, you know, uh, for in the beginning, when it started, when it came to, you know, so many years have now passed, and still we haven't seen any improvement about that. And uh, I'm very glad Philip has motivated somehow that he said that if we change now, we can bring some, some small um, uh, results as well with us. Absolutely, yeah. But how is it that people haven't thought it yet? I mean, he said go to UMP and complain about it. How many people have already complained by the MP? Mm. Listen, this is happening. You know, we see it. We have a hot weather now. This was one of the hottest summer we had. 40 degree, over 40 degrees. What is, what do you think needs to be done? What is, should, like he said, we need to wake up. Philip said we need to wake up. What do you think we should be done to wake up, to see the bad, out, the bad outcome of um, climate change? Absolutely, so as you mentioned, you know, um, make your um, voice heard by those in power. And uh, also what we can do is eat less meat and dairy like red meat and beef. Um, you know, cut back on flying and, you know, basically try other cheaper means like uh, leave the car at home. Like as His Holiness mentioned it before, mm. uh, try cycling and use all your car only when unavoidable. You just mentioned that that um, leave the car, mm -hmm. leave the motorcycle. His Holiness has mentioned in the clip as well. To use your legs, you know, just go for a walk is very really healthy as well. And the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, he used to go for a walk, especially in the after the morning prayers. Um, 
This is it's a good uh, solution. It's a good help. Um, I remember, ask me, you might know as well, that when we had this gathering here in the UK, mm-hmm. the largest Muslim gathering here in the UK, a group of cyclists came from Germany to UK to be part of this as well. And this is a good example as well. Instead of using the cars, they used the cycles. Which is a good means as well, and I think you know using the cyclist is good as well. It's very healthy as well for those who want to stay healthy. I know one person; he's now um, almost forty years old. He said since he has started cycling, he feels like he's ten years younger. So it is a good means that you when you use your own feet or the cycle as well. Um, but absolutely, so I mean we all have been, you know. Um, being like uh, how would you say um you know we've all been like using cars when let's say not necessary like um y- you know we can try and avoid these um let's say food companies and just walk to the restaurant and get your food instead of like using so much Uber Eats. I mean, I myself have been, <laughs> you know, using Uber Eats quite a lot, but even though like, because you get like special discount, you know, <laughs> but uh, even if you like try and just walk to the restaurant, you know, 10, 50 minutes, it's, it's fine. It's good for your health. So, I mean, we all have been doing this, so we all need to change and you know help together and uh, you know change this uh, climate change issue. you know the thing is that uh, using the cars had made us lazy as well i know one person i'm not going to mention his name but he said to me recently just that you know i'm just sitting in my car nowadays telling me that uh, he has no activities anymore no sports activities no nothing he's he became he's, he himself became very lazy mm. and uh, this is something as well that uh for a short um, distance, we sometimes just need to use the car because it's quicker. Uh, and uh, uh, that I think um, here it started that we need to change as well. We need to bring a change as well. And you know um, about climate change. He comes again, as I said, we are guardians of this uh, earth as to God, as God has told us. And therefore, you know, in the Quran, climate change is mentioned many, many years ago as well. That we should look after the earth, and His Holiness, He has given instruction to that as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and you know, the Holy Prophet also said that anyone who plants a tree and waits patiently for it till it bears fruits, that will be on his behalf an act of charity whenever anything benefit from this tree. Uh, so uh, you know, His His Holiness said that. A factor of this climate change is due to the growth of population. The world's population continues to grow, deforestation continues, and more and more trees are being cut down, and the use of cars continues extensively. Um, he's only just given an example saying that nowadays, even if one has to travel to a neighbor location, people still resort to and are more inclined to driving and using their cars rather than walking or running. Uh, he said that climate change is a natural process which occurs, but man's action have worked as a fan, speeding up the process. Azu mm-hmm. noted that the, uh, his holiness noted that climate change will not um, 
process which occurs, but man's action have worked as a fan. So His Holiness uh, said, noted that climate change would not uh, completely destroy the planet anytime soon, as there are still many prophecies which regard to, you know, Ahmadiyya that still needs to be fulfilled. This is good to know. But he has also pointed out that thing that man has worked as a fan. Speeding up the process. Speeding up the process. Yeah. And so, at the time, we need to change. We need to bring changing by ourselves. Um, we, if, before we go to the MPs, before we, yeah. we want to be heard, but we need to do some changing as well. Mm. And we, uh, therefore, we need to become healthy as well. Um, it is, as I said, a good means of traveling is the bicycle. And we, you can go everywhere with the bicycle. You can go even to your workplace with the bicycle. And it's very easy. It's even better than walking. It's very it, better than you walking. You lose calories, you become fit, and you even uh, you know, come to your destination sooner than walking. Exactly. And uh, as I said, I just mentioned my friend where he said that he has started doing that and he's, uh, he feels like he's 10 years younger and he's almost 40. Mm-hmm. It's good for the knees as well. Uh, so dear listeners there are many means we can do we need to change ourselves and bef- uh, and uh, this will help to change climate change as well uh, unfortunately as I said climate change is bringing people to death as well um, and the last years how many people have unfortunately died because of climate change not even in Pakistan but we see so, uh, so many disasters in this world happening right now and this is very sad and I think, I believe, Hassan, um, it's safe to say that if we start first, if we go to ourselves, then it's a good thing. Then then we have, you know, if we start now, if we make the first step, even it's a small step, but we have, at least we have made the first step and then we can motivate other people to do the same. Mm-hmm. Dear listeners, it is uh, um, a lot of talk to talk about, um, uh, but unfortunately we have come to the end of the show. Um, if you want to listen to the show again, you can do so on SoundCloud. Um, and if you want to learn more about Islam, you can stay tuned with the Voice of Islam radio. Or you can um, join tomorrow again, same time, uh, if you want to listen to the breakfast show. Um, I'm thankful to you, f- listeners, that you have listened to the show. I'm thank you t- thankful to my co-host, Asim Hashmi, to the producers, Vaki, Halma, and Salia, and of course, to our researchers, Khafia and Kanta. Dear listeners, stay tuned and with the Voice of Islam. Peace and blessings. And stay healthy as well.